What's up, Supper Church, and welcome to episode number 20. I am Justin, your executive pastor and 30-second host for today. Welcome to part four of our blood series. Today, I want to ask you to help support our blood drive. We want to raise 100 pints of blood, especially for this young woman in our church. So if you want to find more information, please go online at supperchurch.com slash blood to give. And now, without further ado, I am here to introduce you to myself. So here's Justin Quo. Good morning, Supper Church, formerly known as Hug Church. I am Justin, your executive pastor. Well, this morning's appetizer of the day is, who is your favorite anti-hero? Now, upon recording this, I'm not exactly sure what Belinda said, but she probably said Professor Snape, Severus Snape. You know that super creepy, scary, snaky character that I was really scared of when I was in uh, elementary school or younger in Harry Potter? But spoiler alert, apparently he cared for Harry because he loved Harry's mom, Lily. Or, if you're Paul, you for sure said Zuko from The Last Airbender, probably one of the greatest anti-heroes of all time. Honestly, that's a really good one, probably because it's probably the best character development in TV history. Or maybe some of you might have said X-Men's Logan, aka Wolverine, the gruff, rough, violent, misunderstood hero. Or maybe, again, in the Marvel Universe or Marvel World, it's Deadpool, specifically Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. Or maybe it's in literature, and you're thinking Scarlett O'Hara from Gone with the Wind, the intelligent, powerful woman who uses every questionable trick on her quest for financial security and material wealth. But for me, my guilty pleasure of TV shows isn't anime or comic books or movies in those those ways, but it's crime shows. Law and Order, Sherlock, Luther, Mindhunter, White Collar, Blacklist. But I'm really, what I'm really, really caught up on right now is Dexter New Blood. There's this level of darkness to the show about gore, violence, and mystery. Um, 10 out of 10, wouldn't recommend, especially if you don't like blood. But for me, top five of all time. So the premise is that there's this crime scene investigator, an analyst that looks at blood splatters of the, of, of the, of the, of the screen, screen of the crime. And he lives this double life, an ordinary science nerd by day, serial killer by night. So while investigating murders in the homicide division, he hunts and kills murderers who have escaped the justice system. Yes, he is a serial killer who has a code of ethics, vows only to hunt after who he deems and has vetted thoroughly as a menace to society. But here's why I love it. This is why I love the show. It's, it, he's a man who knows he's broken. He knows he's got a problem. He knows he, 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 he has this dark side to him, and he's trying to be normal. He's trying to be good. But this dark passenger he calls, this dark nature, it prevails and always comes out due to this constant thorn in the side of childhood trauma. Anyways, as a blood pattern analyst, he scientifically deduces how crimes happen purely by, by blood splatters, um, blood patterns, and blood work analysis. And there's this one line he always says. He always says, blood never lies. Blood always tells the truth. Blood never lies. It always tells the truth. You can't change its type. You can't change and hide the DNA. You can't change the way it moves, the way it coagulates, the way it contains your history, your diseases, your genealogy. Because, well, blood is truth. And that's what he says over and over again. You know, have you ever, have you ever taken uh, Ancestry DNA or 23andMe, one of those tests? Um, I have not personally. Um, I've always wanted to, um, but Belinda and my sister tell me it'll probably be pretty boring. It'll probably say 
99% Chinese, 1% other or something. But I have a lot of family and friends and friends and family who, who have taken it and are super into it. And there's this one cool feature where, the, where they sample your DNA and tell you your family tree, where you come from, who you're related to, and it helps you reconnect with family members who have possibly been, been estranged or missing or who have left, and generations later, you know, you don't know what happens to them. And, uh, and now with this testing, you can find them out. And so this always reveals the truth, the truth in your DNA. And so we're in this new series called The Blood. And Eddie started this series sharing with, this, uh, sharing with us this national blood shortage and crisis we are having. And yes, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of this Ukraine-Russia war, in the middle of this economy, we are having this national shortage of blood. And because of that, we've been unable to help the ones who are most vulnerable in our society, specifically the ones who, have, who are battling cancer, like leukemia. And yes, we've launched our blood drive, where our goal is to, uh, in our community is to donate 100 pints of blood. But why? Why is this a charge for our community? Why is this a charge for our church? Well, there's a million reasons why. But specifically, there's someone in our community, someone in our church who's battling leukemia. And she's just been diagnosed earlier this, earlier this year. She returned home from school, still in the hospital today. We had several people already donate blood in her name. We had people who visited her, FaceTimed her, who try to stay as connected as possible with her while she is quarantined. And so this is our reality. This, is, this reality hits even closer to home when you know someone, when one of ours is hurting, when one of ours is in need, when one of ours needs our help, needs our blood. And so with this sermon series, Eddie asks you know, why does it need to be blood to, be, to forgive sins? Why, why is it blood? And we went over how the life of the body is in its blood, but the physical body, the blood in our body is the problem, that our bodies have been corrupted. And even in our spiritual life, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and, and, and that it's our blood that's killing us and only our blood can redeem us. A new blood, a new covenant, someone else's righteousness, someone else's shed blood that forgives us from our sins. And that's why we need blood to forgive our sins. Again, why blood though? What makes blood so powerful? Why is blood so powerful? And so today, I want to look at the passage all the way back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis, a story of two brothers, the first brothers recorded in Scripture. So let's look at Genesis chapter 4. Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some, of, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain, with his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you, do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, 
Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And again it says, God said, listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Your brother's blood cries out. Wow, this is the the count of the first murder. The first spilling of blood in creation. A place where God intended to create what was beautiful. People created in his image. The Garden of Eden. And then there's this anger, this rage, this jealousy, deception, guilt, murder. And we're only in chapter 4 of the Bible. But before we continue, we have to understand that Genesis chapter 4 is an important chapter in Scripture. It's a controversial turning point in humanity and, and generally overlooked. It's, it's meant to be this connecting piece between the fall of humanity, of, of Adam and Eve, and the prologue before the flood, and, 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 and how it wipes away the earth, which for pretty much symbolizes the continual fall of humanity and the darkness and the evil that prevails just over a few generations. And so here we read that Eve has birthed two sons, Cain, the older brother, and Abel, the younger brother. You know, both are seen bringing their offerings before God, very much so like as a priestly role, a priestly duty, just like their parents. Cain worked the ground just like his dad Adam did in the garden, which means he might be carrying his dad's role as a priest over the land, which explained why Cain and his brother were bringing offerings to God. You know, the, the text in Scripture doesn't, it, it's written, it doesn't know that these are sin offerings, which is probably why there is a lack of blood in these offerings. And so these sacrifices probably resemble more the idea of gifts. Gifts like the grain offerings in Leviticus in chapter 2. And so these are seen as expressions of gratitude of God for providing for them. It's why, you know, Cain brings produce while Abel brings from his flock. However, the text says Cain only brings some kind of fruits, not his first fruits, but the younger brother Abel brought before God the firstborn of his flock. So there's this contrast telling us Cain brought just some type of fruits from his harvest, while Abel brought, specifically brought the firstborn for God. Now in this ancient time, and honestly still practiced today, there's this term called primogeniture, where being the firstborn meant you have birthright succession. It means you had dibs on inheritance. It means you got the privileges of the family, the legacies, the blessings. But interestingly enough, in the Torah, the author spends so much time, the author spends so much time attacking this idea, this custom traditions, whether Cain, whether it's Cain and Abel, right, or whether it's Jacob and Esau whether it's Reuben and Joseph and the brothers or Moses and Aaron, David and his brothers again. See, God usually intervenes in some way where the rights of the firstborns are kind of reversed, are changed, are flip-flops. So, so Cain here is expected to have the firstborn rights. But in this text, I find that it's alluding to God speaking to these customs and these traditions. They don't matter to God as much as it did in its society, in its time, that God doesn't show favoritism based on birth order, but that he accepts gifts based on where the heart is. And so in this narration, I believe God is speaking to Israel, speaking to his people, speaking to the chosen, because they believe that they're God's people, 
And even though it, it doesn't mean, you know, even though they're firstborn, it doesn't mean it's their destiny or their blessings are not based on their, on, on their privilege, on their firstborn rights, but it's based on their merit, based on their hearts and their response to God. And in so to us, God sees what's inside our hearts. He doesn't accept us through our positioning or power in life. He doesn't favor us because we're born in such privilege. He wants what's inside here. And so in Cain's case, it's God who is asking for this offering, this rejection of sin. But instead, Abel brings his best and the entitled firstborn Cain, he doesn't give with his heart. And just like his parents before him, Cain desired recognition that didn't belong to him. He was filled with pride and arrogance and entitlement, and it dominates his entire lineage. You know, and it almost foreshadows what happens to the people of Noah in his time, where the people constructed the Tower of Babel to try to reach out to God in their pride and their arrogance. And it's just like that with the fall of Adam, pride and self-centeredness was the beginning of chaos and misery. And so what happened is that Cain doesn't follow and listens to and doesn't listen to God's warning because, because of that. And he succumbs to jealousy and it overrules him and it make, and it murder and it makes him murder his younger brother, spilling his blood. And in return, God begins to ask Cain, where is his brother? God's giving him a chance to repent and be remorseful, but he doubles down, he hardens his heart and is unremorseful. And instead of, of his response, his father Adam gives when he was sinned. And he took of the forbidden fruit, and he says, here I am, God. He instead, you know, Cain replies with, am I my brother's keeper? And so God responds, what have you done? The blood of your brother is crying out to me from the ground. That his blood is to reveal the sin, the, the power to expose darkness, that it's blood that cries out. It's the undeniable reality, depravity, and the awareness of, need, of a need for healing. And so why is blood so powerful? Because it's only through blood that we can be healed. It's only through blood, the spillage of blood, that we can be healed. The sanctity of blood spill is a sign of suffering. And without the shedding of blood where there would be a, no awareness of pain and understanding of suffering, we wouldn't see the cost of hurt. We wouldn't see the effects of sin. We wouldn't need a Savior to save us from sin. With Abel's blood crying out to God, with Abel's blood that was shed, there was this cry to God because blood cries out. Blood cries and demands attention. Just like what we said in the beginning, blood never lies. Blood always tells the truth. Blood can never be hidden, can never be covered up. You can't cover up your mistakes. Everything eventually will come to light. And when I think about this war that's happening in Ukraine, I can't help to think of all the blood that's spilt, the hurt, the pain, the trauma, the deaths. It's all because of one man's ego and his ambition to bring Russia back to its former glory. And when I think of the darkness, the maliciousness and attacks, I can't help to think of all the lives, the victims. I can't help to think of those attacks, the attacks on the children's hospitals, the attacks on the maternity wards, and how evil and how dark that is. And, you know, in, in every crisis situation, it's always save the women and children first. But in this war, in this scenario, in this situation, it's let's go after the women and children. Let's bomb them. Let's attack them. Let's shell them. Let's try to spill their blood. Let's go after the ho children's hospitals, maternity wards. Let's try to spill 
blood over innocent lives. And, and the news carries on day by day, week by week, and the whole world is slowly beginning to see the madness, the darkness that is being exposed. What's so powerful about blood is that it really exposes everything. Everything. It uncovers truth. It can, it can help reveal motives, intentions. It can help bring out what was hidden into light. You know what I said earlier about 23andMe and ancestry DNA is, is true. I have a distant relative. They have a great life, beautiful family, beautiful home, successful, loving, living the American dream. And one day when the DNA testing came out and became commercialized, they thought, hey, this would be great. This would be a great idea to see, you know, where we come from. Maybe this might connect us with our long-lost cousins. Maybe this will help us understand our heritage, our legacy, our history. Maybe this will tell us of diseases and cancers that are hereditary. Maybe this will help us understand our tendencies, our inclinations, our circadian rhythms and behaviors. So everyone took it. And yeah, it was fun. You know, figuring out when people wake up. And they tell you all these random facts about, about, about you. And, you know, then they see where your lineage comes from. But as the results piled in one at a time, there was a slow discovery amongst the siblings of the sibling generation. Not, not all the DNA matched. That one sibling didn't share the same amount of DNA. And after more conclusive data came in, the data pool became larger and larger. It became apparent that one of the siblings was not like the other. And after piecing together all the puzzle pieces, it appears that the late grandmother had a secret. A secret affair, a half-blood child. And though the truth never came out in her lifetime, the secret spilled out beyond the grave. And so in the same likeness, blood spilt is the exposure of sin, of darkness, of suffering. There needs to be a new blood, a new covenant, a new promise, a promise of healing. And this is what the series is all about, healing, knowing that Jesus came to die to spill his blood for our sins, that even in the beginning of time, humanity needed a new oath, a savior to deliver them from their own weakness, from their own depravity. And so for us to be reconciled back to the Father, we who have sinned have all fallen short of the glory of God. We who know the wages of sin is death, we need a new righteousness, a one that can only be given through the righteousness of Jesus and through his perfection, through his holiness, through his purity, through his blood, can we be reconciled back to God and we can be healed from our sin through the power of his blood. We can be healed. You know, and as a community, as a church, we are able to use that same healing power, not just being saved by the blood of Jesus, but also using our blood to save another. And so at the beginning of this month, we launched this blood drive, our, our blood campaign to raise 100 pints of blood. And I know it may say, it seem so random to ask for blood donations, but it's such a great application and a practice and an exercise and a challenge for our community where we can give something inside of us to save another life someone who needs it. You know, we often ask for your support, finances, tithes, um, your Bitcoin, your USD, your stocks, whether it's also Chromebooks or whether it's food or whether it's masks, however way to serve the community, whether it's feeding people. But this time we're asking to give something that is so much more precious, so much more valuable, so much more powerful, and that's blood. And the biggest reason, again, is we have a young woman in our community who needs your support, needs your help, needs your prayer. She's been diagnosed with leukemia, a cancer that attacks the early blood-forming cells, and, and she's in need of blood donations, and specifically blo a bone marrow. 
especially in this national blood shortage, she's in need of not just her blood type, but all other blood types, especially since she's, she's O positive. The blood she, she needs is used by everyone, A, B, A, B, who, everyone else who is in need of it. And so when you donate, it directly and indirectly helps and affects her. And so there are two things. One, blood donations and signing up on our website. And two, hashtag be the match, sampling your bone marrow. Now, why is this so important to her? She reached out and said, hey, bone marrow donations are just as critical. Signing up for registry is just as critical. She told us that many patients of Asian descent have a difficult time because not many Asian Americans are registered to give bone marrow. And because of that, the community is low on matches. And she's calling out Asian American communities to sign up. And so with the healing power of blood that saves us, we have this healing power of blood inside us. Not just to help this woman, but our community, the people around us, the ones most vulnerable. And if you want more information, you can please go to supperchurch.com blood and you can file a commitment card and, and you can say, hey, I want to donate blood. I want to help with this blood, um, blood donation campaign. And if you're O positive, you can donate in her name. And so today I want to ask you to pray with me to lift up those who have spilt their blood, those who have been attacked, those who, have been, who, who need our blood, the blood of Jesus for healing. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time this morning that we could spend diving deep into your scripture and into your word and understanding the power of blood. And so, God, we look at the, the, the blood spilt in Cain and Abel. We look at the blood spilt in lives, and we look at, and we see that blood represents and shows that, God, there's this depravity in humanity, that there's this need for a Savior. There's this darkness and wickedness that needs to, needs to come, that we have, this, um, we have this sin nature that needs to be covered with your righteousness, with Jesus' righteousness. And so, Father, we ask that we would come before you asking, asking for repentance and re- repenting and for your forgiveness that we can be clothed in your righteousness. And so, Father, we thank you for these opportunities. We thank you for the the life and the blood inside of us that it isn't just healing from you, but, God, this blood inside of us can heal others, can reach out to the most vulnerable, to the ones who are hurting, the ones who are sick, the ones who need blood. And so, Father, I pray that we would would challenge this community, challenge and, and stir up the hearts of those who are watching and those who are hearing, that we would donate and give our blood, our precious, valuable blood to others who are in need. And so, Father, we thank you for the reminders, God, of your goodness and of your love, that we could be people that sit in your favor, that sit because you love us. And so, Jesus, we thank you for this time. Would you challenge us? Would you encourage us? Would you inspire us to give blood, to give life to others, and to build this church in in this community? We thank you, Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.